Amen. This morning we're going to continue in our series. I was wondering, you know, uh, we started this a while back, and the title of our sermon today is, Can God Change My Life? Can God Change My Life? And you would say, you know, after years of doing counseling and counseling people, you know, I've, I've heard some really horrific stories in my office. People that have come in that are so broken in life, that have gone through the worst things that you could ever imagine. And as they sit there and they just open their heart and they tell me their stories, you know, and, you know when it gets down to it, when you ball down the conversation, they finally look at you and say, hey, now that you know everything that I've been through, everything that I've endured, can God change my life? And you might be wondering the same thing. Can God change your life? And the answer is, yes, He can. You know, I've heard questions like, you know, they get discouraged and they lose the the will to face their problems. And is there strength available for me to make it through my problems? And then there are people that, you know, are suffering with depression or overwhelmed with anxiety. And their answer, their question is, can I get out of this deep valley of darkness? Can God help me? You know, in this building today, right now as I'm speaking, you know, I have no doubt that there's somebody in here today that is asking that question. You know, people, you know, people lose control. They lose control of their, their ability to, to handle their emotions or they, they lose control of their temper and they, and they fly off the handle and they get concerned about that. And they say, can God change this about my life? And today I want you to know that you can change. God can change you. Amen. You know, the Apostle Paul wrestled with this very question. Can God change my life? And in in Romans chapter 7, in verse 14, I want you to hear what Paul had to say. He said, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh and sold into bondage to sin. For to what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. How many of you can relate with that? Verse 19, for the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Now, in this passage of Scripture, Paul makes an alarming discovery about himself. And he says here, and and Paul recognized that the principle of sin was working in his life. And this principle of sin was keeping him from being who he wanted to be and from doing what he wanted to do. And he's wrestling with this tension in his life. And he finally concludes in verse 15, he says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. I am doing the very thing I hate. And then in verse 19, he says, For the good I want, 
I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. How many of you can relate with that statement today? Paul recognized that he was acting and behaving like like the person he didn't want to be. And so Paul was left warning and asking the question, can God change my life? And he says it like this in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? I think Paul was left asking, God, can you change my life? And you know, all across the world today, there are people that are crying out and saying, God, can you change my life? Have you watched the news this week? Have you listened to everything that's going on right now? It's like a bombshell has gone off. And this thing is just exploding and people now are just opening up. And listen, when you hear that stuff, can you understand that stuff? You see, what Paul is talking about is exactly what the world is dealing with right now in this day in this age. Paul answers his own question in verse 24. And this is what he says. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this life of death? And he says, praise God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can set you free. Jesus Christ can change your life. Regardless of what you're struggling with today, I want you to be encouraged and be hopeful today that God can change your life. I don't know if you heard yet, but I want you to know that God can change your life. Amen? You know, listen, I remember, you know, when I first started going to church, I first started coming to church and, you know, I'd sit in the worship service and I'd listen to the preaching. But listen, there were things about my life that wasn't changing, you know, and it was staying with me. It was like holding on to me. I didn't want those things, but they were there. I didn't want to be in this predicament, but I was there. And I can tell you, there was a time in my life, even though I'd given my life to Christ, even though I was going to church, even though I was listening to the Word of God, even though I was reading my Bible, I was left with the question, can God change this wretched man that I am? And there was a time in my life I wasn't sure that God could change me. I thought I might have been beyond hope. But you know what? I found out that I wasn't beyond hope. Amen? And you might be feeling like you're beyond hope. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you are not beyond hope. Amen? God can change anybody. Amen? God can change anybody and everybody. I can tell you firsthand this morning that God can change your life. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 27, Jesus said... Things that are impossible with people are possible with God. God has no limitations. God has no limitations to what He can do in you and what He can do through you. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. He can do exceedingly above and beyond anything that you could ask or think, and it's according to His power that works in you. Amen? Praise God. I'm not where I want to be yet, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Come on, can y'all relate to that today? Amen. Praise the Lord. So today we're going to talk about how God changes your life. How does God change your life? Well, first of all, when God is ready to change somebody, most of the time, most of the time, He usually begins with adversity. That's how He usually begins. Say, Todd, can you go to part two? 
Can you go to point number two? I don't like this first point. Let's go to point number two. But hang on just a minute. Isn't it true that when God is ready to work in somebody, He usually begins with adversity? How many of you know that God has a purpose behind every problem and He has a purpose with every adversity we experience? And all things will work together for the good for those of us who love God and are called according to His purpose. Amen? So he usually begins with adversity. James chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Now James says, adversity has a God-given purpose. First of all, the purpose of adversity is adversity grows and strengthens our faith. Isn't that right? We don't grow. We typically don't grow when things are good. We grow when things are bad. Amen? We typically don't get excited about pursuing God when everything is going good in our life. Normally, whenever we're interested in drawing closer to God is whenever adversity is going on in our life. Can I get a witness today? You know, so listen, God understands that. So what does He do? He brings us through adversity. Why? To bring us to Himself, to strengthen our faith. Amen? Adversity always strengthens us. The purpose of adversity is it strengthens our faith. Listen, God is willing to allow us to go through hard times so that He can bring us to a place that that we're equipped to win and to succeed in life. He accepts us just like we are, but He loves us too much to leave us like we are. Come on, are you with me? You know, we look at ourselves and we say, well, I'm doing okay. And he looks at us and he says, not really. Not really. You're not doing as good as you think you're doing. Amen? So listen, God is willing to allow us to go through temporary adversity to allow us to experience his eternal glory. And this is what 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 7. 4.17 says, For monetary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen? So he's saying, listen, don't look at adversity through the natural eyes. You've got to look at the unseen realm to see that God's at work. Listen, my life changed when I went through just, a, just adversity after adversity after adversity. If it hadn't been for adversity, I would still be like a heathen out there, living my life, serving the devil, and, and on, the, on a straight, on a, in a, a, a fast track for darkness. Amen? So I thank God for adversity. Don't you? Don't you thank God for adversity? So listen, you know, our faith is like a spiritual muscle that needs to be exercised to grow. And so, you know, how does a trainer get an athlete equipped and, and strong and, and, and with endurance so that he can win the race? Well, he puts him in the jail, not the jail, but he puts him in the gym, and he might be the jail, and, and he subjects him to adversity. That's what the trainer does. He brings him in the, in the gym and he says, okay, lay on that bench right there. Pick up that weight. Okay, I'm going to put some more on. Pick up that weight. Man, how much are you going to put on here until you can't pick it up anymore? His whole goal is to tear down your muscles so that they will be rebuilt and become stronger and you will have greater endurance. 
Amen? So the trainer, to make us succeed in the race, he will put us in the gym and he will subject us to adversity. But the trainer's only goal is to get us in a better position to succeed in life. Amen? And so whenever you take that into the spiritual realm, how does the Lord get us prepared and equipped to succeed in that life? You know what he does? He subjects us to adversity. He subjects us to adversity, trials and tribulations. Why? Because after we've endured the trials and the tribulations, our faith becomes stronger. Amen? Our spiritual muscles get stronger. And so the enemy doesn't have to just use a little finger to knock us over and to discourage us. He's going to have to come with more than that to knock us off track. Amen? So when God wants to change us, He normally uses adversity. God allows us to go through adversity to grow our faith so we can be successful. Listen to this verse, 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. How many of you know a strong faith gives us victory over the world's trials and tribulations? Amen. You know, there was a man in the Bible and he had a demon-possessed son. And he brought him to the disciples to get him healed. They couldn't. So he brought him to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I got a demon-possessed son. And, and he, he throws himself in the fire and he's, he's, just a, he's messed up. God, could you help him? In Mark 9 and verse 21, how long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him in the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. And he says, what do you mean, if I can? And Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. How many of you know faith gives you opportunities that you could never have otherwise? Faith gives you options to succeed and to move up and to move on in life like you would never, ever be able to before. Amen? You know, I just happened to catch a a commercial this past week, and uh, Dr. Oz had a preacher on, and he was talking about, he was asking the question, does prayer make a difference in somebody's life? What would you say? Does it really? How come you pray? The reason you pray is because you believe that God can do the impossible. You believe that God can change anything. Amen? And so because of that, how many of you receive miracles in your life through prayer? How many of you receive breakthroughs through prayer where, the, where man has said, this can't happen, but God has said it can happen. Through faith, the impossible can be made possible. So God allows us to go through adversity to strengthen our faith. And the greater our faith, Jesus said, Hey, anything is possible if a person believes. The greater our faith, the greater possibility for life change. Amen? Amen. Listen, you know what? There was a time when I didn't believe that my life could change. I just thought, you know what, Todd? You're just going to have to settle for it. Settle. This is going to be your lot in life. I didn't believe. But you know what? The more I heard the Word of God, the more I heard the testimonies of the saints, The more I got around people that experienced the supernatural, the miraculous, my faith began to grow. My belief began to get stronger. And it's through putting my hope and trust in Jesus Christ that my life began to change. 
You know, maybe I'm here today to encourage you. You might be discouraged in your faith. And I'm here to encourage you. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Believe. Only believe. And you shall see the salvation of the Lord in your life. Amen. The second purpose of adversity is adversity changes our character. Changes our character. Somebody said, it's the fire of adversity that brings forth the gold of godliness. When God wants to change us, many times He will let us go through the fire. How many of you know the fire will surface what's impure in our life? In Romans 5, in verse 3, He says, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character. In proven character, hope. So Paul says, listen, trials produce perseverance, And perseverance, proven character. Proverbs 17 and 3 says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. You know, sometimes the Lord just will allow adversity to come in our life because He knows whenever adversity comes, it has a way of surfacing character flaws that we've had hidden in our personality, and it just brings them to the surface, and we say, what's that? What is that? And he says, that's a flaw that needs to be removed from your life so that you can be everything that I want you to be. Otherwise, those things are hidden. So sometimes the Lord uses adversity to change or to break the hardness of our heart or the stubbornness or the obstinacy of our character. You know, we don't typically change our behavior when things are good. We normally change When we come to the end of ourselves and to the valley of brokenness, God can totally transform our character. Amen. The Apostle Paul at one time was a very violent man. He persecuted Christians. He cast his vote for them to be martyred, killed. Remember that? Who is that? The Apostle Paul. And this is what the Bible says, Acts 26, 10. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem, Paul says. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in the synagogues, I tried to force them to blasphemy and and being furious, enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. So the apostle Paul, he wasn't always this great man of God. He wasn't always this great godly man. The apostle Paul was a hard-hearted man. He had a spirit of violence on him. He hated Christianity. He hated the Christians. But you know what? Paul's life was totally changed when he went through the valley of adversity. You remember the story in Acts 9. It says Paul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. 
Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Paul went through the valley of adversity. The light struck him. He became blind. So here is this tough, bold, strong man. Killing Christians. Casting his vote to have him murdered. He went through adversity. And when he went through adversity, he became blind. He didn't know which way to go. He had to be led by the hand. That is a tough day. That's adversity. But you know what? Paul lost his eyesight in the midst of his adversity. But the Lord used his adversity to totally change his life. Totally change his life. And as you look in verse 17 of chapter 9, then Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. That is a life transformation. When people say to me, Todd, do you think I can change? I say to them, were you worse than Paul? Have you been murdering Christians? Have you been persecuting Christians? Have you been stoning Christians? No, not at all. Well, there's hope for you. Because God changed. God changed Paul. He can change you. Amen. Amen. Paul's life was changed. How? Through adversity. Let me ask you a question. How did you come to Christ? Is it because everything was going great? Is it because everything was just falling right into place? No. Most people's testimony is they came to the end of themselves. They came to a place where they no longer had the ability to change their life on their own. And God met them right there. He met them right where they are. Adversity can change your character. You know, if you're going through adversity right now, it may be because the Lord wants to change some behavior patterns about your life. You know, sometimes we don't make the connection that we're going through bad things because God's wanting to change our behavior. Sometimes we never add up the dots and we bind up the devil and we blame our circumstances and we get mad at the world while we continue to do the things that break the heart of God. And sometimes he'll just let us go through the road and through the valley of adversity so we can get to the point where he can break those habits in our life. Amen? If you're going through adversity, maybe because he's wanting to get you To be more kind and more merciful. You know, sometimes we can be so critical. We can be so judgmental. We can be so mean to people. So sometimes God will just allow us to drink some of our own medicine. So we can understand what others might feel like. And you know what happens a lot of times is we say, oh my, I don't want people, I don't want to treat people the way that people are treating me. And all of a sudden, there's a new level of mercy. Come on, are y'all with me out there? There's a new level of compassion that falls in our life. You know, maybe because he's wanting to change the direction that you're headed in life. 
You know, listen, I was on the wrong road. How about you? And adversity helped me to change courses in life. And I'm so grateful I did. Praise the Lord. This highway doesn't have nearly the bumps that other one had. Amen. But you know what? Sometimes after you get on the right highway, God's got another path for you. And you won't change the trajectory or the pattern of your life. And so sometimes he'll just allow a little adversity to come. He'll, you know, like that, that, that mother eagle will take some of the downing out of your nest to make it uncomfortable with where you are so that you can change where you are. The mother will take the downing out of the nest. The eaglet will stay in the nest for all of its life. This is great, mama. Bring me some food. I'll just sit here and wait. While mama works like crazy to find a little worm to come feed the little baby hid. So the mama says, no, you're getting too big for this. It's time for you to go get your own worm. And so she'll take the downing out of the nest. And so the little, the little eagle tries to get comfortable in the nest and the sticks start prying. It's like, oh, I don't like this. Jump up on the edge of the nest and the mama will just drive by and just poop. Whoa, adversity. But all of a sudden, a little eagle finds out, I can fly. I can fly. I'll get greater freedom now. I'll eat anytime I want now. I don't have to wait for mama to feed me. Come on. Are y'all with me? We hate change. God will bring us the change to change us. Come on. Can I get a better amen? Amen. And so maybe God's wanting to change your life. Listen, whenever I was working in the oil field, I wanted to change jobs. You heard this story so that I could be more involved in church. But I was, I was really struggling. I didn't have a lot of faith. My job was like that eagle's nest. I had seniority. I had good pay. Been there for a while. I had an easy job. But I wanted to be more involved in church. So the Lord led me to start exploring a job that would be similar in pay and I thought would be the same kind of circumstance. So I went and took that job. And the Lord tricked me. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was from hell. Amen. I hated it. I thought God, I thought God was so angry with me that He wanted to torment me the rest of my life. But you know what? In hindsight now, had God not led me to go to this new job that I didn't like so much, I would have never quit the all field, never gone into the ministry. He led me down this path of adversity so He could get me where He wanted me to go. You know, I don't know, but it could be that we might be experiencing some adversity in our life because God's wanting to change where you're at. He's wanting to change the place that you're dwelling in. He's wanting to change the purpose of your life. He's wanting to change your desires and your goals in life. And He knows the only way that He'll accomplish that is He's got to turn up a little bit fire under us so that we're willing to change. Amen? You know, there was a man coming to church. This man, for 30 years... Struggled with alcoholism. He didn't want to, he wasn't interested in changing. 
Everybody else wanted him to change. His family was making preparations for, for his funeral. That's how bad it was. But his family was praying for him. You know what happened to this man? One of his best friends that he'd sit around getting drunk with became sick and died. And he lost his job. His children turned against him and wouldn't, wouldn't talk to him. He lost the place that he slept. His own family wouldn't take him in. He became homeless because he had burnt so many bridges. He became desperate. But in his desperation, he turned to God. And he cried out to God and said, God, would you help me? You know what God did? God met him, listen, right where he was. Delivered him from alcoholism. And now his family is totally restored. And then the sky's the limit now for this man. Amen? I heard an astronaut say the other day, the sky is not the limit. Amen. Isn't that great? Come on. What God can do if we're willing to work with Him and let Him use our trials and tribulations to speak to us. To get our attention and say, God, what is it that you're doing in my life? Are you trying to change my character? Are you trying to change my direction? The second way that God changes us is through honesty and repentance. You know, one of the greatest hindrances to changing is our unwillingness to admit we have problems. Our unwillingness to admit we have problems. Before we can change, we have to be honest with ourselves that we need changing. Amen? Paul had to get honest with himself. And this is what he did in Romans 7. He said, I know that nothing good lives in me. You know, listen, how many of you, how many of you have been guilty of saying, I'm a pretty good person? Paul said, not me. There ain't nothing good in me. In me, if there's anything good, it's God. It's not me. And he said, there's nothing good that lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. But I cannot carry it out. I can't. Paul was being totally transparent and honest when he penned these words. He was opening his heart and saying, this is the condition I'm in. And you see, our lack of honesty and transparency keeps us from changing. You know, but listen, we need to be willing to admit, hey, I got an anger problem. I'm depressed. I'm not right right now. I got a real problem with with being critical and judgmental. We have to be honest. I have this addiction that I can't get free from. That is the beginning of life change whenever you're open and honest. Honesty and transparency opens the door to receive the grace of God in our life. Amen? But you know what? Before we can change, we have to be not only honest with ourselves, but we have to be honest with God. We have to be honest with God before we can change. And 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you are familiar with that verse? 
But I want you to notice something. John says, if we confess our sins, you know what confess means? It means to acknowledge, declare, and admit when you're wrong. And so listen, John says, if we confess our weaknesses, if we confess our temper problem, if we confess that we're Cajun, no, he says, if you confess your... He says, if you confess your sins, I wouldn't say it's sins. I mean, that's, you know, that's going a little extreme. He says, if you confess your sins, you know what sins are? Those areas of your life where you're missing the mark. Those areas that we're walking in disobedience to God. And he says, we've got to confess them. And here's the promise. The promise is he would forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you know that confessing your sins can release life change in your life? Amen? Confessing our sins means to declare openly and publicly, speaking out freely and say, like David said, Lord, I have sinned. I am guilty. And whenever David did that, that's when life change came for David. And so, you know, this is so powerful. And I've noticed it over and over again. When you lose the peace of God in your life, and you're in a conflict or something, and you get before God, and God brings conviction, and you change your attitude, and you get your heart right, all of a sudden, peace is restored. Come on, are y'all with me out there? You know, I've noticed, you know, even when praying for people, you know, I've noticed, you know, praying for people and, and they're having trouble and, and I'll pray for them and I say, you know, well, what do you need prayer for? Well, I'm just depressed or whatever the case may be. And, and in the context, sometimes, you know, this is the most notorious thing. But I say, hey, is there somebody in your life you need to forgive? Yeah. Well, you need to forgive them. Yeah, I know, I need to forgive them. And so I'll pray till my veins start popping out. Until I'm sweating drops of blood. God, help them, you know, deliver them, set them free. And then I'll get the revelation. Hey, would you pray this prayer with me? Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for holding bitterness in my life. And all of a sudden, something breaks. They start crying. The the tears start flooding down their their face. And there's a spiritual breakthrough. Why? Admitting I'm wrong. And confessing it to God. Come on, are y'all with me out there? How many of you know you could be, you could be a, a serial killer and be in prison for the rest of your life waiting to be executed in an electric chair and have freedom and liberty in your life through repentance before the living God? God has the ability to set people free and to change their lives. Amen? You know, years ago, there was, there was a man like that, and, and he was raised in a Christian home, got uh, subjected to pornography, and that ended him becoming a serial killer. And, and he, was, he was scheduled to die in an electric chair, and Dr. Dobson went and interviewed him. You know, this man was totally changed, ready to face the penalty of his sin. But he had great peace in his life. And people said, That's, there's no way. Yes, there is way. You know, I talked to some people that I went to school with. You know my story? And they said, there's no way. Yes, there is way. It's the power of God. God can change your life. Come on, are y'all with me out there? God can change. He can break 
things off our life and totally redeem and transform us. That's the good news. That's the gospel of hope this morning. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes God will lead you to admit your sins to somebody else. You know, now listen. Caution. Be very careful who you admit your sins to. You know, some people are looking for some gossip. Amen. But you know, sometimes it's really good to tell somebody, you know what, I'm struggling in this area. Now listen. The world is getting worse. Evil is waxing worse. It's getting harder and harder for people that are are intending to live a pure life to live a pure life. And so as I'm talking out here today, I know that each one of you live on the same street I live on. And you're faced with the same temptations I'm facing every day. And so there's not, you know, it, it goes without saying, there's a very good chance that somebody in this place right now is at that door of, of addiction or that door of temptation that is about to take you down. Call somebody that you love and respect. Call the church. Meet with one of the pastors. Meet with somebody. Call a counselor. Go sit down and open your heart before them. Why? Because it's a, it's a sign of humility. James said in James 5, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Amen? God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. It takes a whole lot of humility to say, I'm wrong. I got a problem in my life. Amen? But man, does that release the power of God? Whenever we're open and transparent before ourselves and before the living God. The third way God changes your life is through the empowerment of the Spirit. It's through the empowerment of the Spirit. Ephesians 5 and 18 says, don't get drunk with wine. Don't get drunk with wine. Drinking will mess up your judgment and make you do things that you would have never done otherwise. And it's not like you're going to do something that God would be excited about. So you do things that God would not be happy about. Amen? He says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be desiring to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Why? Because the Holy Spirit empowers a person to change. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit. Amen? Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He said, you know what? You're going to be a good testimony of Christianity when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you. Come on, how many of you know we need the power of the Holy Spirit to live the godly life? Amen? So why do we need to be filled? Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome our sinful nature. You know, that's what Galatians says. If I live by the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature 
desires, what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you, not do, what you, so that you do not do what you want. Paul says, listen, if you're filled and empowered by the spirit, you won't do what your sinful nature desires. Amen? What does that look like when our sinful nature overrules our life? Verse 19, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a picture right there. And then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. You know, the Lord, early on in life, I think I've shared this before, but I saw this, you know, it's like, how many of you know that whenever you, like, you first come to Christ and you get saved, you know, not everything just totally, you know, it's like, you're a totally different person now. You never lose your temper. You're totally patient. Amen. You totally overcome all temptation. How many of you know that's not the case? But you notice all of a sudden that you become a little bit stronger in your ability to resist temptation. You become a little bit more patient. Come on, y'all out there? And so I noticed as I begin to get connected with God and read my Bible and pray and come to church and, 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 and live for God and fellowship with godly people, that those habits begin to fall by the wayside. But then I was doing so good. I thought, I don't feel like wasting my time reading the Bible and praying. Because I'm doing so good now. Well, how many of you know where this story goes? You know what? You know, the, the lesson I learned is I need to constantly be filled with the Spirit. I can't afford to get to, get, to let myself go down spiritually. Because when I do. That's when temptation begins to overrule my life. Amen? We need to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because it gives us power over our sinful nature. We got this war going on inside of us. Our flesh wants to do everything that is wicked and evil. And then the Spirit of God on the inside of us wants us to do everything that's right. And whoever we feed the most will win. We'll control our life. So it's not an option. If we want to be changed, we have to spend time in the presence of God, in the Word of God, connecting with God. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit empowers you to walk in truth. John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. How many of you know that we become enslaved by strongholds? which are thought patterns that are against the Word of God. And, and the Scripture tells us in John 8, 32, Jesus said you're going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. So the more truth we know, the more free we'll be. Amen? You know, whenever I found out that if I confess my sins to God, sin will lose its power in my life. It was a great revelation. Amen? And so, you know what? The Holy Spirit will bring us in the truth and teach us what we know to be free. And the Scripture says in Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but they're mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Word of God pulls down strongholds and lies that we believed, and we get set free. Amen? And finally, the truth of God empowers us to be to, to become a Christian. You can't become a Christian until the Holy Spirit draws you. Amen? Jesus said to the Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, who could see that Jesus had something he didn't. He said, how can I get this? And Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We need two births, a spiritual birth and a natural birth. When you're born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God comes in you. And the Spirit of God begins to change your life. You know, listen, people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to change their life. They go to seminars. They buy books. They listen to CDs. They go to to rehabs. They go through all kinds of stuff trying to change without the power of God. But whenever you get done with all that man has to offer and you can't change and you turn to God and you open your heart to Him, the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you And your life begins to change. How many of you believe that what I'm saying to you this day is true? Let me hear an amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. I trust the word of God has spoken. To some of you here today, you know, sometimes I feel like as I stand before the congregation and I declare the word of God to you, sometimes I get a sense that while I'm trying to talk you into into climbing the mountain with God, that the enemy is right behind me and he's pulling on your coattail and say, don't listen to him. Don't surrender. Don't give your life to Christ. Don't obey the word of God. And sometimes I feel this great, this great struggle in me. Like sometimes I feel like spiritually, I'm wrestling in the spirit for the souls of man. And I know who I am. And I want to encourage you today. Let the God, let the God of grace touch your life today. Let him change your life today. Let God bring you out of the pit, bring you out of the fires of hell. And let him give you a life abundant. Let Him give you a life that's full of grace and mercy. Amen. Are y'all with me today? Would you, would you just bow your head with me? Let's close in prayer today. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, I know there's wolves. There's a wolf out here in this world that is trying to pull down the saints of God, trying to destroy people's lives, trying to rob them of hope, trying to discourage them, trying to get their lives to to be shipwrecked. 
But Lord, I know there's a God in heaven that loves us enough that died so that he could break the power, Lord, of the thief that's trying to wreck our lives. And I pray the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ be released over this place today. And I pray that darkness be broken over every heart and every life. And I pray, God, that the change agent of the Holy Spirit would be released in our lives today in a mighty way. Lord God, come on and help me and just welcome the Spirit of God in this place today. Spirit of God, grace of God, touch of God, come today and change our lives. Thank you, Father God. Listen, some of you are going through adversity and God might be just, He's just working right now in your life. And He's allowing you to go through adversity because He's wanting to change your life. Come on, just right where you are, say, Lord, I surrender. I give up, Lord. I give my all to you today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, come on, just right where you are, just surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to be in charge. I want you to be in control. That's the moment that life begins to change. Maybe today you just need to be honest and say, man, I'm struggling. Come on, right in your seat. Just tell the Lord, Lord, I need your help, Lord. I'm struggling, Lord. Come on, just be honest with Him today. Be honest with yourself. If you're struggling today, don't. Don't wait right now. Just be honest with yourself and say, no, I need to be changed. And then be honest with God and say, God, I need your grace today. I need your grace today. Listen, the only way we can be changed is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can continue to change is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine. That'll ruin your life. But be filled with with the Holy Spirit. Come on, before we go, can we just ask the Lord to fill us with His Holy Spirit? Come on, saints of God. Let's cry out, I need it, Lord. I need Your power. I need Your grace, God. Lord, if You don't give me the strength, if You don't give me the power, there's no telling what I might do. There's no telling where I might go. Lord, I need the power of Your Holy Spirit. Thank You, God, for baptizing us today with Your strength, God. Come on, just right where you are, just surrender and say, Lord, fill me, empower me, Lord. Grace me, Father, with your strength today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted. Come on, give the Lord just a good praise for his for gratefulness. Thank you, Lord, for changing us, God. Thank you, Lord, for helping us, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.